You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to BridgesNashville.com. Well, he's known as one of the greatest tennis players of all time. He achieved a number one worldwide ranking at just the age of 21. However, it was in a loss where one of his most legendary moments occurred. Andy Roddick was playing in May of 2005 at the Italia Masters in Rome, Italy. Now, in just a month's time, he would be battling Roger Federer, the greatest player of all time, at Wimbledon. But on this particular day, in this tournament, he was playing against Fernando Verdasco. Now, Roddick was the number one seed going into the tournament, and as expected, he dominated the entire match. Came to the very end, it was triple match point, and Roddick couldn't return Verdasco's speedy serve. However, the line judge called it out of bounds and awarded the final point to Roddick. The crowd went wild. He had won the game, although Roddick knew something that no one else knew. See, he had seen the ball actually hit the line, meaning it was inbounds. Roddick, even as crowds were cheering for his victory, walked up to the line judge, told him his error. They reversed the call, awarded the point to Verdasco, and wouldn't you know it, Verdasco goes on to win that tennis match. Sports writer Frank DeFord said that that decision cost Roddick tens of thousands of dollars and potentially even more had he gone on to win the tournament. But Andy won something far more important, far more valuable that day by keeping his integrity. He set the standard for sportsmanship as fans all across the world watched. And he showed that it's not just about winning the game, but it's how you play the game. And for our series, it's not just about winning the good fight, it's about how you fight the good fight. Today, we continue our series in 1 Timothy. Uh, This series is called The Good Fight, and we've been looking at some amazing truths out of Scripture as Paul wrote this letter to his young protege, Timothy. And remember, Timothy is pastoring this brand new church in Ephesus. But this isn't just a letter to Timothy as the pastor, it's to those in the church who aspire to ministry. 1 Timothy chapter 3 is a list of leadership qualifications, and we're going to look at that today. Now, not everyone is called to be a leader within the church, but to be honest, if you want to live your life as a witness before a world that desperately needs Jesus, this list of requirements of leadership is a great way to live by. And we've got to remember that the Bible is God's written word, And it truly is a blueprint on how to best live this life, from the Ten Commandments to the one another statements that we have in the New Testament. And when it comes to leadership, 1 Timothy 3 is the golden standard. So today, as we continue our series, The Good Fight, we're going to look at 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 13. And I thought we'd have a little bit of fun today, mix up our usual translation and go to the message version, because I love how Eugene Peterson, his translation puts it. Listen to this. If anyone wants to provide leadership in the church, good. But there are preconditions. A leader must be well thought of, committed to his wife, cool and collected, accessible and hospitable. He must know what he's talking about, not be over fond of wine, not pushy but gentle, not thin-skinned, not money-hungry. He must handle his own affairs well, attentive to his own children and having their respect for if someone is unable to handle his own affairs, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a new believer, lest the position go to his head and the devil trip him up. 
Outsiders must think well of him or else the devil will figure out a way to lure him into his trap. The same goes for those who want to be servants in the church, serious, not deceitful, not too free with the bottle, not in it for what they can get out of it. They must be reverent before the mystery of the faith, not using their position to try to run things. Let them prove themselves first. If they show they can do it, take them on. No exceptions are to be made for women. Same qualifications, serious, dependable, not sharp tongued, and not over fond of wine. Servants in the church are to be committed to their spouses, attentive to their own children, and diligent in looking after their own affairs. Those who do this servant work will become highly respected, a real credit to the Jesus faith. Now, let me set a little bit of context for this passage. Paul is mainly addressing two types of leaders in the first century church, bishops and deacons. Now, a bishop has been translated as an elder, an overseer, or a pastor, and a deacon translates into a servant. Now, these were people who helped meet everyday needs within the church. Now, in the culture of this time, it was very common for certain jobs to come with a list of requirements, much like this one in 1 Timothy 3, jobs like being a general in the army or being a midwife. And we also need to remember that Paul is addressing a first generation of Gentile Christians that came from a background completely devoid of high standards and moral character. And I love right off the bat in verse one, Paul says, whoever aspires to be a church leader desires a good thing, but it comes at a cost. You know, one of my prayers over the last two decades is God never allow my talent to take me into a room where my character cannot sustain me. I think so often we pray that God would open up doors and give us opportunities, but our character really isn't in a place to handle it. Listen, character and integrity are everything. And yet, we don't see these qualifications listed in 1 Timothy 3 in a lot of the leaders that are on the public stage today, do we? Uh, politicians, entertainers, and etc. Headlines are chocked full of affairs, public drunkenness, cheating, tax evasion, corruption, dishonest pursuit of money and gain. And we wonder why so many people in the public eye crash and burn when they have leadership. So can I ask you a question today? How is your soul? How is your character? You know, this chapter is geared towards those who want to lead within the church without a doubt, but these virtues are just a great standard for anyone who follows Jesus to live by, right? So how do you know if your character needs some attention? You know, earlier this week, I was, I was reading a blog by uh, leadership guru, Kerry Newhoff. He's a former pastor from Canada. And he asked this very question. And he gave us a few character tests to assess where we're at. Listen to these. Number one, how do you react when your internet is slow? Whew. How do you respond to your critics? That'll preach. And here's a more comical one, but it's so true. How do you react when you go to the garbage can and it's completely full? No one took it out. Do you take it out? You know, these are simple questions to ask ourselves, but if we're honest, they reveal a little bit more about our hearts than we'd like to admit. Now, I confess, I'm not batting a thousand when it comes to these types of tests. You know, the one that really gets me is traffic. Uh, how do you react when you're caught in traffic? 
Patience is something that I have to daily pray for. And as I pray for patience, wouldn't you know it, God will often put me in situations that require patience. And this is one way that he shapes our character by building endurance. Listen, God cares more about who you're becoming than where you're heading. In his book, Louder Than Words, pastor and author Andy Stanley writes, character is the will to do what is right as defined by God, regardless of personal cost. I highly recommend this book, Louder Than Words by Andy Stanley. It's all about character, brilliant book. I just read it late last year and it's already been such a challenge and a call to character. And in the book, he shares this study that was conducted by the American Management Association where they asked over a thousand employees, what did they look for in their superiors? And over 250 different character traits were, uh, were named, but the most frequent responses were integrity, trustworthy, character, and conviction. You know, character is something that's easy to look for and recognize in other people, but it's often harder to look within and assess in ourselves. So today I wanna share three things that you can do to grow in your character. Number one, uh, assess who you're hanging out with. Who do you surround yourself with? You know, as a Virginia Tech Hokie, I've loved uh, following the football team and I've definitely kept up with the story of the greatest quarterback ever to grace our campus, Michael Vick. And uh, yes, he ushered in this new era of the double threat quarterback, incredible statistics, but unfortunately these days he's more known for his uh, off the field antics and the mistakes that he made with, with dog fighting. And uh, it's a sad story because he surrounded himself with the wrong people. In the documentary of Football Life, uh, they highlight the people around him who really steered Michael down the wrong path. I love what billionaire Dan Pena says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Paul wrote it like this in 1 Corinthians 15:33: Don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. Now on the flip side, when you surround yourself with good and godly company, you're much more likely to develop that godly character yourself. So do you have people in your life who are calling you higher or people who are dragging you under? You know, personally, I have weekly check-ins with, with pastor friends, mentors, and of course, with my dad, who many of you have heard preach on our online services. You know, I want those who know me the best to respect me the most. Integrity and character will always lead to respect and trust. So number one, assess who you're hanging out with. Number two, embrace the difficulty. In the seasons of testing and trials, understand that God is working behind the scenes. So ask him to shape you and mold you and pray that your heart is moldable. What is it in this season of testing that God is trying to do in your life? What aspect of your character is he growing? James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now get this. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, a.k.a. character. In another letter to the early church in Rome, Paul wrote this, Romans 5, 3, and 4. Not only that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And isn't that what we all need today? Hope. And it comes from character. 
Dokime is the original Greek for character here, and it was often used to describe metals that had been tested by fire and found to be pure. Now, if on the other side of the fire, the metal comes out persevering and enduring, then that metal was called proven, authentic, and genuine. How you come out of a season of testing will prove your faith. Perseverance is needed for leadership. You know, authentic faith is proven in hard times during the storm and through the fire, right? It's easy to trust God when everything is going your way. But when you hit that hurdle, when you don't get that promotion, when you lose that job offer, when your friend betrays you, when your team doesn't win, when you're cut off in traffic or that person stands you up in that meeting, how you react is key. Our actions can often be manufactured, but what you cannot manufacture is how you react. And that is the real test. That's when the real you comes out. Am I right? I think this is why Paul specifically mentions a couple sins to avoid in this 1 Timothy 3 passage more than others. Drunkenness and a love for money. You know, the way of the world is to react to your problems by just drowning your sorrows in alcohol. And the, the world would also tell you to go after money and earn all you can and then spend it on yourself the way you want to. Listen, the world would say that money and alcohol can buy you happiness, can fully satisfy. But we know only God can satisfy. And when we put our trust in Him, we don't have to rely on anything else to be our provision or our comfort. Now, the third thing I'll say on how to grow your character is through more of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you want a list of character traits that every believer should and can operate by, go to another one of Paul's letters in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. The Holy Spirit cultivates these fruits in our lives, much in the same way that a gardener would cultivate fruit in a garden by pruning and trimming the trees. So why don't we ask the Holy Spirit to show us the areas in our life that need to be cut out? Prayer is how we hear from the Holy Spirit. So pray that He shapes your character. Listen, the Holy Spirit is our helper, our guide, our uh, advocate, interceding on our behalf. And one way to let the Spirit do some soul work on you is to honestly assess what we're watching and what we're putting in to our minds and hearts. You know, recently I was hanging out with a couple of Christian friends and they highly recommended this show on Netflix. And I was really interested by hearing the plot line. And so when I came home, I looked up on imdb.com, I looked at the parent guide and I couldn't believe it. On the parent's guide, I literally saw everything listed that 1 Timothy 3 tells us to avoid. And these were Christian friends of mine, not here at Bridges, of course. Now, by the way, that parent's guide on IMDb is a great tool for our family to filter out what shows we should watch and what shows we should avoid. I highly recommend that. And this is a simple measure to assess what we're allowing into our souls. Because as the great writer Shakespeare once said, the eyes are the window into the soul. Practically, we can assess if we're drinking in excess or pursuing too much money. Now, there we can, we can put measures in our lives to guard against such things. A side note, generosity and giving is a great way to guard against greed. 
And ultimately, you simply cannot develop the character that we're talking about today without the help of the Holy Spirit. This is a spiritual fight, and you need the Holy Spirit. Willpower is one thing, but spirit power is on another level, and the Holy Spirit's power never runs dry. Let me bring this thing in for a landing. 1 Timothy 3 is specifically geared towards leadership in the church. As a pastor, yeah, this is a serious call to action. These are guidelines. I don't take any of this lightly, and I'm committed to living with upright character and integrity. Am I perfect? No. Am I human? Yes. But this is why community is so key, and you never do ministry alone. It's why I have checkpoints and measures in my life to help me against failing in these areas. And for those who are leading in the church, specifically here at Bridges, our staff, our ministry leaders, and our house church leaders, listen, there's relationship and accountability there. We actually have what we call our leadership covenant that we take all of our leaders through that lists some of the guidelines that we see in the New Testament for church leadership. This is something that we're serious about here at Bridges, to honor God and the opportunity to serve His church and come alongside Jesus Christ in the Great Commission. Come on, is there anything more weighty than that? If God is calling you to lead, why don't you take a look at your life and hold it up against 1 Timothy chapter 3. Ask God to reveal anything hidden in your heart that doesn't line up with these qualities. You don't have to be perfect, but you need to be pursuing character, integrity, and honesty in all things. You know, one of the greatest leaders in all of the Bible was King David. He wasn't perfect by any means, but he had a heart that was after God. He repented when he was in the wrong and he chased after the things of God. How did David lead? Well, here's one of my favorite leadership verses in the entire Bible, Psalm 78, 72. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. Lord, may we lead with hearts of integrity and lives of character. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.